Freddie and the Z-Man. No? Right said Fred and the amazing Zandero. No? Xander Fred? Fred Ziffel and Arnold? Okay, I'm done messing around. <clears throat> this is Fred and Xander on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. A week without Bears football. Hey, you just got done listening to Black and Abdallah talk all the college football you could handle for a Saturday. Fred and Xander here for the next two hours. We've got Blackhawks. Did you watch the Blackhawk game last night? A little bit. Did you? Yeah. I I can't get uh, ESPN Plus on my TV downstairs, so I couldn't watch it. I could have yeah, watched it, was, it on my it phone. A, yeah, it was a bit tricky last night. <laughs> I don't understand why that game was only on ESPN+. Plus. And I know Pat Foley didn't understand it either in the last game he did. Was it was it, was it bumped for some reason? We don't we don't have a yeah. solid explanation. I don't I don't know, yeah. but it was not on and uh, you only you had to have ESPN+ Plus to get it last night. And um so if you're one of those Blackhawk fans that didn't get a chance to watch it, um they win for their third game in a row under Derek King, their new coach, their interim head coach from your interim general manager and everybody's interim We'll see if that stays that way all season long. So we'll talk some Blackhawks hockey. The Bulls were on late last night, and we saw the Bulls without Vucevic in the center position. And, oh, my, that was ugly. Um, plus, I posted something yesterday, and people got to me, and they said, they said, uh, did you just figure this out? And I just said, Steph Curry's unbelievable. And what I was going to say is, is Steph Curry as good as Michael Jordan? I'm watching that game last night. The guy's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's throwing up shots from everywhere. He's he's just an amazing player. He had 40 points last night, and the Warriors just pound the Bulls. How so, was his defense? Because you know Michael can play D. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. When you score 40, I don't know that you need it. But, well, but but that's not the point. You're saying is he better? Yeah, and but people don't people don't look at some of the guys when they're talking about that and say his they don't compare. Well, maybe they do when they're looking at LeBron. Do they say that you know he doesn't play the defense that Michael played or see for me like that? for me if we're talking about is a player better than the other both half both sides have to be considered. Yeah, well. I, 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 when I'm watching the game last night. So I'll say a, a resounding no. Yeah, Curry's yeah. great, but a resounding no on that. Well, I mean, most, you know, 99% of the people are going to tell you no. <laughs> right. But, right. but I'm watching the game last night and it's just amazing what the guy, what Steph Curry did. He was 15 to 24 from the field. He shot 62.5%. He was 9 of 17 from three. And he's just putting them up from everywhere. Uh-huh. And his pregame warmups. He he takes one dribble over midcourt and then just starts shooting threes. And it's amazing what this guy can do. And last night, the Bulls' defense uh, struggled. They didn't have the big guy in the middle. So you've got Tony Bradley starting at center, which isn't really optimal. And then the Bulls couldn't shoot very well. DeRozan wasn't shooting well. Lonzo Ball wasn't shooting well. And... Um, then you had Zach Levine turning the ball over seven times. Well, the first half it was tight, but the it was second very, half, they the second the half, well. they started pulling away, and, and by pulling away, I mean like 
like zero to sixty because of because of Steph Curry. I mean, he just right, started hitting right. his threes, and they couldn't they couldn't stop him. And then everybody else started shooting and contributing. So, if you want to talk some Bulls basketball, we're here for you. We got a poll for you. The Bulls with a five game West Coast trip. Uh, the poll over on Twitter at uh, ESPN one thousand. How many wins will the Bulls get in the next four road games? Uh, they play the Clippers Sunday, the Lakers Monday. So they're in the same building for two games. And obviously row. we're looking at this because we have injuries we're dealing with. Yeah. Well, and Portland on Wednesday and then Denver Friday. From what they say, Vooch is going to miss the entire five-game trip. and That's going to be a problem. What you saw yesterday was... Without him, even if he's not scoring, you've got a uh, you know you've got some size, you got some rebounding, you got some things you can get. Bulls were out rebounded last night, forty seven thirty eight. So they're out rebounded by nine. It made it difficult, and um, the game was the second half. The game was just you know it was it's a it was an ESPN game last night, and it was expected to be a much better game. Much much yeah yeah different. first first quarter Bulls hit were out by ten. Yep. Yeah, Bulls were up by 10. So it was a interesting, fun game to watch last night, at least for some of it. And uh, DeRozan couldn't do anything. First half, he was one for six, and Lonzo Ball was one for eight, and they were still close in the game. But um, they struggled in the second half. So we'll talk some Bulls basketball. They lose 119-93. Um, Blackhawks win, and it's funny because just the two guys, I mean, this week, uh, Dabrinkit and Kane, yeah, it's like you know, it always used to be Kane and Taves, and Taves coming back this year relatively it, quiet. It, it it's going to take a while for him to get back. I mean, can you imagine missing a whole year? Yeah, you, you, you know, and and at his age, he's, yeah, he, he, he's in his early thirties now. So missing a whole year is really going to set you back. In uh, especially in NHL, so with whatever he was dealing with, and we don't even know if those are those effects are still a part of his you know rebound, right? Or if he's like you know tip top shape, he just has to get back into hockey shape mentally and physically. But it is going to be a little while. But he is starting to he's getting a lot of shots now. He's just needs some puck luck, mm-hmm. as they say. So. Uh, he'll come around, um, but yeah, I'm not. As we talked about last week, I'm not surprised that they're they've gone three and zero. Certainly, there there's a long way to go, and this might be the honeymoon phase. Well, they have played the, the teams they've played yeah, this are not week that great. Are like yeah. nine twenty four and right. something. But you know this what? Season. But you know how this goes, right? You have to beat uh, any Who's given on the team, schedule. right? Yeah. And 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 the fact is, this will give them confidence moving forward. You know, hopefully they they feel their game coming back. Flurry's making some stops. Lankin and stay, standing tall. Those two goalies have had a rough go of it until the coaching change, and they're starting to rebound. And uh, yeah, I, I think we're we're going to be okay. But again, this could be the honeymoon phase. But a new coach always does seem to, in the NHL at least, seem to give an immediate jolt. To a team. In most sports, it does. Most, uh, yeah, okay. when they decide to change coaches, Derek King, uh, the coach now, is they bring him up from Rockford, and um, he talked about the win streak. Well, it's huge. I mean, these, like I, when I first got here, I could, you could just see how fragile they were, but they're enjoying it. They're, they're starting to, you know, again, it's not pretty sometimes, but that's the game. Uh, but they're battling for each other. They're playing hard. They're trying um, you know, we're getting some great goaltending, and uh, we're just finding ways to win. 
Yeah, and that's what it takes. I mean, in hockey, you know, you got that little rubber puck bouncing all over the place, and sometimes no matter how well your plans are and how how well your detailed plans are coming into a game, it's, the puck's got a mind of its own. Right. Yeah. Exactly, and, and the fact is what he said, that they were really fragile. The more you lose, the worse it gets, the more fragile you get, then you start questioning things you shouldn't be questioning. Yeah. And then when he came in, he basically said, let's have fun. And I think that's what the guys needed to hear because it did not look fun yeah. <laughs> under Colleton. Colleton was losing his mind. Yeah. And then he went to the press and started throwing, you know, ever so slightly throwing the players under the bus. It got ugly, and I'm sure that there was a bit of nobody's going to admit this, and I haven't heard anybody bring it up. But I mentioned last week, I think that they, to a certain degree, stopped playing for Colleton, and they needed that change. Yeah, well, three one two three three two three seven seven six. So the two inhabitants of uh, the United Center, we can talk about either one. The Bulls on the West Coast, the Blackhawks now a three-game winning streak. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. This week, uh, there'll be another inhabitant of the United Center Monday and Tuesday night. Genesis is in town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they'll have the chair. Starting lineup. Starting lineup. Phil Collins on chair. They'll, have the, right, they'll have the chair for Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah. And uh, who who is it? Is it, uh, is it Tony no, Banks? Is he with him? Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Yeah, Tony Banks is going to be playing. Yeah. Uh, drums. And, and he's done that for a while. The history of Genesis is that... Uh, uh, Phil Collins was behind the kit when Peter Gabriel was with the band, which right. you remember, and this is a long time ago. This is mid, early, mid seventies. And then Phil took over the vocals and he, uh, reluctantly did, but obviously that was a, a stroke of genius. But ask any drummer uh-huh. that wants to sing. It's hard to do both. Yeah. Don Henley screwed Henley up his does. back. Yeah. He has back problems because if you ever watch old videos, it, it's fascinating. But you think about it, it's like all in how you have it set up. Henley looks like he's just kind of, you know, you know, straining his neck to sing while he's playing the sure. beat. And that can't be good. No. So it screws up people. And that's what Phil has. He has incredible back problems. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got to put him on the chair. Uh, you know, the old man's got to sit on his chair like B.B. Uh, King did. Well, he's, he has more... He probably has more solo hits. I don't think this probably is not even there. He has more solo hits than Genesis had solo mm, hits. Than Genesis did with him singing? It's got to uh, be close. It's got to be close. I, I think period. Uh, it's got to be It's got to be close, and here's why I say that. Because everything up from Abacab in 1980 to the Genesis album to a Land of Confusion to their return in, like, 87, and they bounced back really well. You know, it's pretty even, but, yeah, they've been a success story. You're going to see the show. Yeah. Kind of jealous, but... I wish I would have seen him years ago. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I catch him, catch him while you can. I suppose. Yeah, you have to do time, it. Time gets away, and then all of a sudden you go, God, I right. wish I would have seen that. Unless you're looking to see the Eagles, because you can always see them. They'll always come well, back but, in another but then version. But Glenn Fry ain't coming back. No, well, no, he's, he's gone not. for good. And yeah. I see that's my point. But, but yeah, and they have you know they have um, Vince Gill and then Glenn Fry's son. And well, I, I've seen like the that. show, yeah. and that it, it, it's great. Yeah, I'm sure. But would I have uh, you know had I had the chance? Yeah. And I thought they would be around forever. I would have seen Felder and Fry in the band. No one's going to be around forever. None of us. Damn it. Really? So, yeah, look in the mirror. And, well, we can talk about that later on. You uh, look in the mirror. The whole man in the mirror thing uh, came up yesterday um, in soccer. 
because the USA played Mexico in a World Cup qualifying match yesterday. And um, one of the soccer players from Mexico, the goalkeeper, said when the USA looks in the mirror, they see us. That's who they want to be. And then yesterday when Christian Pulisic scored the goal in the second half, he lifted his shirt up and he had a man in the mirror on his T-shirt underneath. USA got a 2 nothing win. So um, Is that taunting? Um, in soccer, no. If he would have taken his jersey I hate off, this whole, I hate this whole taunting. Thing. I don't. Is, uh, taunting's fine if it's called correctly. And what the the referee did no, last if it's week called was a joke. correctly, uh, yeah. sure, anything is okay yeah. if it's called correctly. Problem is, nothing seems to be called correctly. Well, at least you nothing new, in the game. Nothing in the game last Monday night was called correctly. Not, it's seemingly not, except offside. It w- w- right, yeah. yeah, Quinn, yeah, by Quinn by four fingers, yeah, Quinn, twice, Cassius Marsh was offside. Well, there was one play where Cassius Marsh got called for offside. There were three guys in the Bears that lined up offside in that play. How much is an extra four inches going to help you to get to the quarterback? I get, let me finish that sentence. To get to the quarterback, <laughs> how much is an extra four inches going to help you? Really, okay, and. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll talk about that, too, because we haven't had a chance to talk about some of the things that happened in the Bears game. Also, we'll hear from Justin Fields. Like I said, we're here till 3 o'clock. We're going to talk about Justin Fields. A great article uh, in the Sun-Times today by Patrick Finley talking about some of the things that Fields has improved on. And yesterday, Fields was on with Waddle and Sylvie, so we'll hear some uh, of that interview. Lewis Riddick talking about um, Justin Fields after the game this week. Uh, as Lewis Riddick, along with Brian Greasy and Steve Levy, were all in the booth doing the game on Monday against Pittsburgh. Bears have the day off tomorrow. They're off until the Baltimore Ravens come to town. And the what Ravens do you are do off. with no Bears on a Sunday? What do you do? Well, I'll be here from 10 to 12. I don't know about anybody else. And then uh, you just go and sit and watch football. Yeah. You know, like you did the same thing you did last week. So, so I guess I would say if you want to uh, jump in here, 312-332-3776, if you're not watching the Bears, what is the game you're going to be watching? Tomorrow. Yeah, 312-332-3776, Fred and Xander on ESPN 1000. This is Fred and Xander on ESPN 1000. And now on Digital FM at 100.3 HD2. This is Chicago's home for sports. So, hopefully you didn't miss the hockey show early today. You can always find that on uh, the ESPN Chicago app, the hockey show with yep. um, Pep Boyle, Brian Hanley. And last week was an interesting week because they had just got done talking about the Blackhawks and their struggles and everything else. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like uh, two hours later, three Jesse hours and later. I were on, yeah. and, and, and I knew as soon as that news broke, it's like... Yeah. That has happened to those guys so many times. It's like that time slide's just, you know, nothing's breaking at that time. They leave, and then all of a sudden, a huge change. Yeah. So it's their first show talking about the coaching change, and now we're three wins in. Yeah, Jeremy Collett now, Derek King in, and uh, they have now won three straight games. They win last night 2-1 to over um, the Coyotes. Um, Not a great team, but a win is a win. Yeah, and Patrick Kane talked about after the game, talked about, yeah, the team is definitely improving. Well, I think there's a lot of character in the room. I think um, even when we're losing, um, there was still confidence, but I think there's a lot of character in the fact that, you know, we want to win, but we know we can be better, and we know we can be one of the better teams in the league if we put it all together. So um, 
obviously it's nice to get a couple wins in a row, but I wouldn't say we're where we want to be as a as a team yet. And um, you know, hopefully we keep improving and while we're getting wins. But uh, um, just the character in the group's been great to kind of get over everything that's been um, thrown at us this first month of the season. But I tell you, Strom too. Now, here's a guy who was in Colleton's doghouse. Yeah. How many scratches they were talking about on the hockey show? I don't remember, but there were a lot, yeah. right? And uh, that happens with a player. Sometimes a player will just kind of get in the crosshairs, and they won't get that um, that chance to even redeem themselves. Then somebody else comes in, sees something in them, gives them ice time, and then they are, are rewarded. There was just too much talent in that room for them to be playing that bad. Yeah. And so that's why another reason why it's not surprising what Kane said. They're not totally there yet, but it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, and they have some good young players. I think we've seen that. And um, I know that, you know, playoffs or, or whatever you want to call them last year when they got added in um, yeah. to the postseason. Yeah. That and, was a gift. And actually put on a nice showing there for the first, uh, the first round. And uh, then all of a sudden it showed their true colors and their lack of ability in the yep. in the next round. Mm-hmm. But um you know a two one winner last night, they got some time off now. They can heck they're they're they almost as, as, are off as long as the Bears. They don't play again until Wednesday. Playing the Kraken. Yes. And they're hitting the road Let's too. Kraken. Just like the uh just like the Bulls, they got the Kraken on Wednesday, then Edmonton, Vancouver and Calgary. And um yeah I don't know if it's a fun trip necessarily. Seattle will probably be fun. Edmonton and Vancouver back to back nights on Saturday and Sunday next week. Yeah, but they they like to keep the games going. I don't think anybody wants too many days off. No, especially when they're playing well. No, I know. And, That's and, why and you know, it's not to so say I, it's it's going to be cold up there uh, when they go to uh, Winnipeg. That will be cold, but they're not on Winnipeg on this trip, right? Uh no. Okay. No Winnipeg, but it's cold in Edmonton, too. <laughs> it yeah, is. It's cold it in a lot of those places. So their next home game, uh, their next home game coming up against St. Louis, and it's the day after um, the day after Thanksgiving. Is that That's the game that was moved, wasn't it? It was supposed to be a noon start, I think, and they moved it to a, a 2.30 start against the uh, Blues. I think that was going to be a nationally televised game, if I'm not mistaken. I know they changed one of their games, and I think that was it, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, 2.30 afternoon game. Nice nice way to, uh, while while everybody else is shopping on um, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. You can Stay run out of the stores and get to the United States. Yeah, and you can probably get tickets because there are still fewer people going to Blackhawk games uh, than there had been in the past. They had been selling out. And then with all the news that we've heard this year and everything that happened. And the poor play. Yep. Well, that, that too. That too, yeah. And I know that the, uh, you know, the poor play was actually... One of the reasons. And then when everything else came out, um, then it got even worse. You know, and, and, and not that we have the answer here, uh, but we can uh, maybe try to figure this out. I wonder if the uh, attendance across the NHL is down. It wouldn't surprise me because, you know, people found a way to spend their money last year right. away from these sporting events, right? Yeah. So then you have to get back into the mindset of doing that. And if you found your way out of that, you have to find your way back in. So I, I'm wondering, uh, certainly we have our own unique set of circumstances here in town at the United Center, but I wonder if that is uh, the case for different reasons, uh, you know, with the COVID season last year. 
being down across the NHL. Yeah, depending on what I have to do that day, that might be a great game to go to. See, you know, I, sit up it, at the three hundred level time. or whatever. It's yeah. Perfect time. Yeah, right. A two thirty game on a Friday afternoon. The uh, day on after Friday, that you're off. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yep. Most people are off. We'll see. We'll see if we well, are. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess. I yeah, guess so. a lot of but times. But again, you, you know what? If we have an early enough show, I'll go right there. Yeah. from here. And a lot of times, um, in radio, radio is weird. Sometimes a lot. Like last week, there was there were some people off. I know Yurko's been off for a little radio's while. Radio's weird sometimes. That's radio's weird thing. all the time. Um, you know, Cap's got some time off coming. Hood was off for a little while, and then you get the holidays coming up. And you know, the last two, um, I guess, a lot of times people have to take vacation before they get near the end of the year. You know, because you have to take it or sometimes you take it or lose it. Take it, yeah. You either take it or you lose it, and um, so it'll be interesting. But now, and then next Friday, an interesting game. That's the next time the Blackhawks return home. So now they hit the road, four game trip after a three game winning streak. Maybe they come back home, and you know, I'm not expecting them to win four, but you would take two out of t- two out of uh, four, get some points on the road, and come home into a you know rejuvenated Blackhawk fan base. We're, we're getting uh, some players back too. Uh, Jones is going to come back soon. Uh-huh. Kalanuk is uh, on his way back. So, and, and yeah, you know, like I said, uh, Taves is getting shots on goal. They just have to go in. Yeah. We've seen uh, number 12 playing well. 88's always someone you can count on. Goaltending's improved. I think, uh, you know, winning, we had a poll a couple weeks ago after all the news blew up. It's like, okay, what's the best way to forget and move forward? Right. And I think winning one, yeah. and, and it certainly does help. I mean, that's what sports is about. Yeah, it's always wins. I mean, if you can, you you know, people say well, it's a good locker room. You're not, you never have a good locker room when everyone's losing because it doesn't. No, yeah, if you do and you're losing, yeah, why is it wrong. a good run? Yeah. locker room? It, yeah, locker rooms are good based on winning. Yeah. Um, they may have fun, but they're not going to have fun as they continually lose, especially young guys that are trying to stay, make a name for themselves, um, establish their careers and sure. things like that. Right. Um, it's very, very difficult in all sports. You know, you, you'll, you'll hear guys, you know, in, um, in baseball, especially, uh, long season, 162 games. And if, you know, if you've got a good locker room and your team's 12 to 15 to 18 games out of first place, it's yeah, like, it, really? It, well, it's weird, right? Yeah. When you when you hear, oh, they it's a fun locker room, it's loose, we're all good, it's people are having fun. Well, you have a losing record. Right. Wait, wait, this doesn't jive. No, it doesn't. So that happens all the people. People talk about it all the time in sports. What happens first? The good locker room or winning? Um, and I think they go hand in hand. It's tough to have a good locker room if you're not winning. Right. Because you're always gonna get someone who is either not playing up to their level they're you know upset that other people aren't playing up to their level yep. you're always going to have that where when you're winning white Sox locker room this year all the fun in the it's world a hand in hand yeah it does it, go hand it works hand, all the sure. time and um that's why it's funny because in football people would would rip and if the bears win their next game against the ravens okay if the bears win that game after losing what four in a row They'll have the disco party going in the locker room and all that stuff. And people are saying you're you'll be four and six or yeah four and six. Why would you do that? Because every win is important. In every the NFL. win is important. And how ridiculous would it be if you're back there, you win the game, and you look at your overall record and you're still sour about it? Yeah. How is that going to help anything? Yeah, you, you only have to get, celebrate the victories yeah. as they come. You only get 17 games in the National Football League now, and it's so hard to remember to say that after they've added the 17th. You get 17 games in the National Football League, and anytime you get a victory, it's it's time to celebrate. You, you should be. Yeah, and because I, that could lead to another one. It always. 
right attitude. Right. The and good locker room. You got to get them, get them momentum, got to want them to come to. Now, the Bears, after scoring just six points in the first half against the Steelers, on Monday night, they came out and they played well in the second half. They took the lead in a game. And I swear, I'm sitting in the other room and I was getting ready to do the post game show. And I'm saying to myself, as soon as the Bears score to take the lead, 27 26, I'm saying someone's going to call up and say the Bears scored too early. Uh, no, you can't say that. The Bears are happy to score anytime they can yeah. score. And well, would we have liked it to be a little later in the game? Certainly, but you played- can't. How are they going to really manage that? How right. are they going to delay that? Yeah, you can't when you're not Defense a great has offensive to come team in and stop right. them. Yes, and I watched the uh, the after show. I I, I DVR'd it because I was here on the post game after the game, and I DVR'd it and. I thought the defense played okay, but I was so happy to hear Alex Brown and Lance Briggs say the defense gave up 29 or 29 points, mm-hmm. okay? All the defense had to do was make one stop. Forget about the rest of the game. You just took the lead, 27-26. No doubt, no doubt. Don't stop. go blaming your offense now. No. Your offense took the they, lead. They gave you what you needed. Now it was your turn to come on the field and make the right. one stop. With a minute 46 to go, you've got the lead. And Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers have to go the length of the field. Yeah. And then Kendall Vildor's laying off on a guy. And the Bears get called for pass interference. It's like, oh, come on. One stop. You know, when, One stop hey, is honestly, all you needed. Honestly, when, when we went ahead, we had that time left. Did you have that sinking feeling? I did. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, because it's, of Ben, it's Bears because football. of the Steelers, yeah. and because of Bears. But you have to throw Ben on there, too, right? And you have to throw the Steelers on there, and you have to throw uh, uh, their coaching staff. It, it's just like, oh, yeah. wow, how is this going to go? It's Bears it's, football, it, yeah. and they were on, they didn't get to the quarterback. There were times where Roethlisberger had tons of time to just sit there. And if you give and any quarterback. And it's not like he moves. No, not at all. You know where he's at. You don't have at. to chase some. Yeah. On, right. one of the, on one of the uh, touchdowns the Steelers had, you had two guys on the Bears that were stunting into the same hole. So there were three guys from the Bears. And so Roethlisberger had nobody rushing him, took his time through the touchdown yeah. pass. And it's like, and come on. you give him time, he's yeah. going to hit whoever he wants to hit. Like any quarterback in the National Football League. Speaking of quarterbacks in the National Football League. Justin Fields was on with Waddle and Sylvie. We'll hear some of that. We'll take your calls talking about Fields. Like I said, a great article in the Sun-Times today by Patrick Finley bringing up some of the things the Bears offense has gotten good at, or at least a lot better at, over the last two games, the San Francisco game and the Steelers game. Bears are off. We're going to talk some Bears football and Justin Fields when we come back. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. You're listening to Fred and Xander. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. So what's this now? You're the most optimistic person? No, I am, I am anything I'm, but right. the most optimistic right. person. But Linda, your girlfriend is. Yeah. She's very. So, she so gives you balance everyone. each other up. But you just told me something that makes absolutely no sense. I think it makes tremendous sense. If I'm... If I expect the worst and the worst doesn't happen, I'm then happy and encouraged. I get that. If I expect the best and it doesn't happen, I'm depressed and disappointed. Okay, so, but conversely, that means you go around slightly disappointed all the time in hopes for momentarily uh, being excited about something. Yeah. Okay. Not depressed all the time, but expecting, expecting 
you can't if you expect the best. No, I all get the that time, concept, but yeah. but but that's the way you're going around, just kind of like sour until you're like, oh, see, that worked out. Yeah. Instead of being positive all the time and say, oh, that didn't work out. So many times you give people the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, and then they prove that. Oh. Your faith oh, in them believe was... Me, believe me, I know. I, that, Your faith that in them was, yeah. Yeah, that I get. <laughs> yes. That I get. Well, my, my dad had a thing, and I know it's the complete wrong way to go into it, and I can't say exactly the way he said it. Sure. But imagine everybody's a jerk until they prove otherwise. And Linda, my girlfriend, will imagine everybody's a good person until they prove otherwise. Sure. But if I imagine everyone's a jerk, I'll be very happy when people are not. Yeah, but you walk around assuming everybody's a jerk for most of your life. How is that good? It, well, it's probably not good. No, it's but not. I don't get disappointed as often. Okay. All right. See, I can't get disappointed because I didn't expect much from them anyway. No, I, that I get. But it's just... It's- You've it's worked in this business backwards. long enough. Oh, believe me, You've worked I know. in this business I, long I, enough. I, I, you, you see a guy, you go, oh, this guy's a great guy. Then you meet it's him, you like go, a, uh, Damn. So I'd rather have people prove they're nice people as opposed to (laughs) think they're nice people before you meet them, you know? Right, right. It's a slippery slope. I just stand back and wait, and then when they prove it, say, cool, good guy. Okay. As opposed to, yep, I knew he wasn't a good guy, (laughs) and he just proved he's not. So, you know. And sometimes you can just see him coming. (laughs) Yeah. So obvious. Here, let's let's go to our guy, uh, Scott, out in Highland Park. Scott. Scott, what's going on? Hey guys, Freddie, how you doing? I love your show. <laughs> Thank you. So, so a couple things like expecting the worst, I think, is a little extreme. I think having minimal expectations so you don't get disappointed is good. But expecting the worst, I think, is a little, little like little okay. Harsh. It's like I if like you're a neutral, if you're a yeah, neutral, that's good. Let's let's use a, a car analogy. Yeah. If you're a neutral. Right. You're like ready right. for anything, but if you're in reverse your whole life, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, looking for a forward momentum. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that, yeah, Scott. That's, that's a, just, I that's might, not, not healthy. But when it comes to the Bears, though, yeah, I think expecting the worst is okay, with the exception of Justin Fields, because I think Justin Fields is going to be terrific. Yeah, he has so much promise, but the problem is he needs a guy around him who understands him as a play caller or coach or whoever. And let's be honest. These guys are not them. I mean, even last week when, when they had, uh, you know, got the ball late in the game, they're still dropping him back in the pocket, Freddie. I mean, come on. This guy needs to have freedom. So I guess my question to you would be, do you honestly think that there's a chance that Matt Nagy can get fired this year? Yes. Love the show, guys. Yes. Okay, thanks, guys. Absolutely. I don't. I See, don't think he's going to get fired. And, and this is, I think Justin Fields, and this is what I think Matt probably somewhere in the recesses of his cranium was thinking. Once I put Justin out there and he actually starts doing good, spotlight's going to be on my fault and what I can't do that I said I could do. Uh-huh. You know, there's something to that. I, look, look, it's not going to, you can't draw a straight line. The point is, Justin is developing in spite of what is happening with the coaching staff. And what is not happening with the coaching staff has become glaringly obvious. That's why he is not going to get another year. 312-332-3776. Think about it, though. When you're watching that game last week and David Montgomery's back, Mm -hmm. they didn't use Khalil Herbert as much as I thought, but I've heard a lot of people this week saying, that's okay, because David Montgomery is your number one running back. But when they ran the Wildcat plays with David Montgomery, that showed some creativity in the offense for me. Um, I was excited to see that. When they threw the ball to Jimmy Graham down the seam, I go, oh, my God. 
Jimmy Graham's catching the ball. Not, he's not in the red zone. Right, right, but it's not a complete plan. We would have won if it was a complete plan. No, and I, he's the head coach. I think their plan was. I think their plan was fine. They just they didn't. There were two situations on their their two field goals. One of them got called back from a, from a wrong call. Oh no, no, James no, no, Daniels. Doubt. no doubt. That, that should have been a, a touchdown. Bad. So that should have been seven yep. instead of three. And then there was another time where and. Um, who was it? Oh, it was Lewis Riddick last week. There was a, he during the broadcast. I think they were talking about how those two passes to um, to Jimmy Graham mm-hmm. near the goal. It's like, why are you doing that? Right. You're going both times on both sides. Yes, be more creative. Yes, and they didn't do it, and so they should have scored touchdowns to both of those. So that is something I think they're going to learn from, okay? And I think they're going to get better. I know, sure, you expect them, and you would love to see them get to that right away and real quick. But when they started the season with Andy Dalton as their quarterback, then they slowly moved in Justin Fields. Fields didn't take first-team snaps all the time. It's taking him a while to develop. And Lewis Riddick was on the other day with Waddle and Sylvie. And Lewis Riddick is a guy who has been in Matt Nagy's camp because he knows Matt, he knows him well, um, he's not against criticizing them, okay? And it's interesting that the way this cut, Sean, you didn't label it this way, I know, but the, the, right now, the, Waddle yeah, and Sylvie, but the, the cut is labeled, it's a, a question to Lewis Riddick. It's a couple minutes long. Um, it said, are your pants off for Justin Fields? <laughs> okay? And uh, um, it's four minutes. Don't ever ask now. me if I like somebody if my pants are off. Or yeah, on. I, my, do right. Yeah, my pants are always on uh, <laughs> when I'm talking football. Always, <laughs> yeah, even at home. Uh, so this was Lewis Riddick when he was on with Waddle and Sylvie, and they asked him that question. Yeah, oh no doubt. Yeah, mine are off, and I'm throwing them in the trash heap right now. I'm never wearing pants. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I probably won't wear any for a while because yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in on this on this young man, and you know. We're in a we're in a time where, look, just from an analysis standpoint, like people flip flop on people from play to play, series to series, game to game, in a way that is just weird to me. It, it, the long the long haul the 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 long term vision, the benefit of the doubt that guys need time, and that when you have a guy as talented as Justin is, he will eventually get it figured out. That benefit of the doubt is not afforded people anymore. It's not afforded players. It's not afforded coaches. It's not afforded general managers. It's like we want results right now, right now, right now, right now. Otherwise, we want to move on to the next one. Draft another one. Get a different coach. Get somebody else in here. And I think with him, there was such an emotional investment in him from the very get-go anyway, even before he was drafted by Chicago. Then when Chicago moved up from 20 to 11, people were like, oh, boy, we're going to get somebody. And then when they pick him, then he's just like, you know, there's such an emotional attachment to an investment in his development that I think initially during the season, looking deservedly so, there was some there was a there was some disappointment over the fact that he didn't start right away. Then when he did start against Cleveland, the nature of the game plan and the mistakes that the coaching staff said that they made in terms of how they used him and the amount that they put on him increased that passion twentyfold. Then you know, when Billy Lazor takes over calling plays and Matt's not taking plays, then it increases even more. Then when Matt gets sick and then Justin has one of the best games hmm. of, his, of his short career already against San Francisco, it increases even more. Now that he had the game like he had against one of the best defenses in, in football, 
was one of the smartest defensive coaches and coaches overall that this game has ever seen, in my estimation. And Mike Tomlin, yeah, Tom, there, there, there's no pants being worn in Chicago anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's rated R everywhere in Chicago right now. Uh, and it should be. And, and if you got a chance to talk to him the way we got a chance to talk to him, and you had Matt and you had Bill Lazor and you had Justin himself walk you through the stages of his development and you would have come out of those meetings going, even before this game was played, he's on the cusp. It's on the come. They're learning. He's learning. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's get- And then, you know, in the first half, I'll admit, watching the game, if you just watched it from a football fan and a football analyst standpoint, the first half was frustrating because there was no rhythm. There was, you know, Bears kept shooting themselves in the foot. You could see that. He, you could tell he had some confidence, but they just couldn't get anything going. But then in the second half, I'm just telling you, man, L- the kid was like the hell with all this. Yeah, I'm letting it rip, and everybody stepped up. Allen Robinson stepped up. Goodwin stepped up. And stepped up. Um, Darnell Mooney, who was basically an afterthought for the first half, you knew he was going to get going. He stepped up. Jimmy Graham stepped up. David Montgomery stepped. I mean, it was like. It was pretty cool to watch from from a developmental progression standpoint as far as Justin within that game and then Justin's rookie year overall. And I came away from that game thinking, man, he's now about to take off. There's going to be dips. There'll be tough games. Hell, there may be another game that looks like Cleveland. Hmm. But his trend right now is exactly going exactly in the direction that you wanted to and I can tell you this, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the players I heard were saying that kid, I think it was T.J. White who said that kid can play, man. Yeah. You know that what? That kid is special. Yeah, he is special. And uh, so I guess when uh, the Bears fans go to Soldier Field next Sunday, it's a pants off Sunday. <laughs> When the, when the Ravens are in town. Hey, hey, check the forecast. That might not work out well for you. 312-332-3776. Lewis Riddick talked more about Fields. We'll hear from Justin Fields. We'll hear from you. You can get to me on Twitter at Fred underscore Hubner. Xander Rocker, all one word, one R in the middle. And if you thought that the taunting call was um, a lot and the wrong call. Oh, you mean the hip check? Yeah. If you thought the taunting call was bad, the NFL doubled down on it yesterday. We'll talk about that when we come back. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Now, back to more Fred and Xander on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. So, the referee calls in the Monday night game was all the talk Tuesday, Wednesday, not just on Chicago radio, not just Chicago TV, but sure, everywhere. National, yeah. nationally broadcast game. It yeah. was it was embarrassing for anybody who was watching it and know what they're watching. This came over earlier this morning. Um, the NFL standing behind Monday night's controversial taunting call against the Bears linebacker Cassius Marsh. And Marsh's next paycheck will be a little bit lighter. The league informed Marsh on Friday he's being fined $5,972 for unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, Marsh plans to appeal in hopes of getting the fine where, rescinded. Where, where was the unsportsmanlike? When he questioned the call? Yeah, it says unsportsmanlike conduct. It should be taunting. But I think it says here the, the fine 
letter references oh, okay. uh, Article 3, I'm sorry, Section 3, Article 1 of the rule book, which specifically prohibits, quote, using baiting or taunting acts or words that may engender ill will between teams. <laughs> taunting has been a point of emphasis all season, spearheaded by the NFL Competition Committee and the Coaches Does Subcommittee. Does say anything about looking at the opposing sideline? Well, here's what he said. I mean, Tony Carranti, we all know, he said, I saw the player after he made a big play run towards the bench area of the Pittsburgh Steelers posture in such a way that uh, I felt it was taunting the bench. Run? Yeah. No. I didn't see him Two run steps. anywhere. Yeah. Two steps, maybe. I know. And then he threw the hip check out there, too. The NFL has declined comment on the play and contact uh, between the two, but NFL senior VP of officiating uh, pointed out in a video posted to Football Operations Department Twitter account that Marsh, quote, takes several steps towards the Pittsburgh bench, posturing towards their sideline confirmation, along with Marsh's fine, that the league believes it made the right call. All right, but there was so, no running and no mention of the hip check. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because here it's they the didn't mention that. the man keeping us down. Yeah. Well, the hip check was just stupid. And, and it was obvious. Yeah. Anybody who wants to say that that wasn't obvious, is that's ridiculous. Yeah. No, it was it was it was bad. It was absolutely bad. And the, like I said, with all the other bad, you see the Bears the Bears shot themselves in the foot by themselves. Mar- Cassius Marsh got called for offside. Right, Robert Quinn right. got called for offside. Pass interference call on, and, and those were and those were good calls. The yeah. offside, they I mean, they were penalties. Offside. Yeah, yeah, it they was had twelve ridiculous. penalties along with that. And, and but there were bad ones. Uh, the James Daniels yep. penalty called for the low block outside of the uh, uh, tight end box and all that kind of stuff. And it, it just, it was so disgusting, um, the way it all happened. We, we heard from Lewis Riddick earlier about his pants are off for Justin Fields. He's all excited. So his pants are off. That was on the Waddle and Sylvie show the other day. He also asked. What happened to just saying excited? Well, that was, it was the, the way. Off. I'm it's sure just it was a little too much. I'm sure me. it was probably Sylvie that asked the question that way. You think I so? I would think, yeah. Um, Riddick was also asked by the guys if, are the coaches helping Fields out? It's all of that. Look. There's no doubt that the running game has always been strong this year. And it is right now. I mean, you can see, especially when they put David and Wildcat um, on Monday night, the running game really has paid dividends for them. And it helps offensive linemen in terms of their ability to then feel confident in pass protection because they've been banging on off on defensive linemen. Defensive linemen get tired. It takes some of the sting out of their pass rush. So then the pass the pass protection gets a little bit better, and that and being committed to that, staying committed to that, has helped Dustin in the long run. So you got to give the coaches credit for that. The play action passing game, the move the pocket game, uh, getting him out on the perimeter game has become and and protecting him with some of the max protect stuff so he can then push the ball down the field and utilize that great arm of his has also been something that you got to give the coaches credit for because it's, he's just not he wasn't going to be someone who was going to excel in the drop back game right. where he's just where you can go spread or you can go 11 personnel and try and get five out in the route and he's supposed to know where the you know where the pressures are coming from get the ball out quick and all he, but they tried to do that a little bit in Cleveland, and that wasn't going to work. He's not so, yeah, used they, to they, he's they, not used to the quick passing game because it's not what he right. did in college. But it doesn't mean that's he right. can't adapt to it at some at some point. He will. That's right. And he's getting. But see, here's the thing: he is getting better at that. Yes, he is. and they and that is look. You can't run max max protect. You can't run boot all the time. You can't like 
you know, run boot and dash and get him outside the pocket on every freaking play. At some point in time, you're going to have to put him in the pocket and let him ex- and have him execute the drop back game so he learns it. So he sees, you just hope that the good outweighs the bad. And you know what? The good is starting to outweigh the bad. And if you talk to the kid, he will tell you, I am seeing it faster. I am recognizing it more. I am starting to, you know, recognize familiar looks. There's always going to be unscouted looks that catch me off guard. He only started seven games. And what do you expect? But, yeah, they're learning. Yeah, Yeah, they're getting better as a coaching staff at it. To some people, it'll never be good enough because of how it started and because of the history with this staff and quarterbacks in in previous years. And you know what? Maybe at the end of the year, maybe ownership decides that it's not good enough and they do want to start over again. I don't know how that's going to go. We'll see. But if he keeps making these jumps the way he is, and you're right, Tommy, a lot of it does fall on him. He deserves the credit because he is putting on the work. He didn't get discouraged. He's keeping wide receivers after practice. The wide receivers believe in him. He's developing that relationship with Allen Robinson like he had with Darnell Mooney from the get-go. Cole Komet's getting better. I mean, if that keeps going the way it's going, it's just going to be good for everyone because they're they're going to win more of those games like they had on Monday night instead of losing them because you can't tell me that a game is going to be officiated the way that game was officiated again. Oh yeah, Robert Quinn's not going to make the same mistakes like he made in that game again. Uh, and I don't think anybody in Chicago is going to be celebrating too hard anymore at all, just to make sure that there's no gray area to where they could get you know just a an awful you know taunting penalty called on the, called on them at a very inopportune time. Louis, I think everything is pointing up. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, and as Lewis Riddick, he said everything in his mind is pointing up. And I we talked about it, uh, Sean Davis and I. We've been here for the uh, games this year, and some of the Bears fans were upset. You know, Fields is ready. He's of course he's not ready. As he said there, he's played seven games. You got to give the guy an opportunity. He didn't play in this style of offense. He's got to figure it out. He's got to figure out the NFL. He's got to read defenses. There's a lot of things he's got to figure out, and he's doing them slowly but surely. Let's go to Grandview and Mike. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, hey Mike. Mike. Hey, guys. Um, I, I know in the past there have been penalties assessed to players, even though a call was not made for uh, you know certain behavior. There was an obvious, I mean, obvious helmet-to-helmet contact against mm-hmm. Justin Fields. He's the quarterback, too. It's not... It would have been called again. Has the NFL discussed that, or are they ignoring that blatant uh, helmet-to-helmet? Are you talking about the one down the right sideline when he was running? I am. Okay, I I wouldn't have called that either because Fields was the one that, instead of going out of bounds, he threw the shoulder in towards the defender. So I wouldn't have called that one. But the one I would have called was the, the late hit, um, on the quarterback. But he was on the ground, right? No, not even that one. Okay. I'm talking about the one where after he threw the ball, Mike, after he threw the ball, like two seconds later, he got hit and pushed down from behind. That's got to be called. because they, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yep. they called yep. the Ben Roethlisberger when we never saw the hit by, um, oh, who was it? Uh, the Bears defensive line. We never saw that hit on the, um, you know, the, the late hit on Roethlisberger. But the one with the helmet, the helmet, once he starts running, they're almost never going to call that, especially if the quarterback is the one that initiates the contact. Right. Yeah, but it, it was not. It was still helmet to helmet, even though he threw the shoulder. He didn't throw his helmet at the defense. 
if he had, they would have called it. They did. Yeah, Mike. I, they they'll. I don't think they call it at all this season. They're not big on calling that play at all. We need to just put that game behind us uh, because so many bad calls. Yeah, and Riddick had it right. I mean, if if this is the new norm. We're in trouble. Yeah. three one two three three two three seven seven six. We'll talk more about that. The Bears have the Ravens next week at Soldier Field. They get the uh, day off tomorrow. It looks like Aaron Rodgers has uh, made all of his uh, the protocols. He will likely be activated tomorrow as the Packers will uh, take on the Kansas City Chiefs. That is an additional game. Uh, they wouldn't even have been on the schedule if they only had 16. They wouldn't have played them. But that is the uh, Packers' Seventeenth uh, game, mm-hmm. and that'll be tomorrow. Uh, the um, Packers and the Chiefs. So we'll talk some more. Some Bears. Um, we've got some more Bulls stuff. I want to ask Mister Music over here about his favorite Led Zeppelin because the guys in the radio earlier this week, Carmen and um, Cap and Jay Hood, they were talking about Stairway to Heaven and uh, the Zeppelin Four album being fifty years old. So we'll talk a little bit about that before we're out of here at three o'clock, right here on ESPN One Thousand.